Welcome to the Windbreaker Podcast, where we regularly break wind. My name is Sarah Sloan, and my job is to bring you an interesting, exciting, and thrilling podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful day doing what you do. Thank you for giving me your time. And let's jump into what we have today. Hello. It's nice to be back on the microphone again. I hope everyone is doing well. I am joined here today by my wonderful father, Mr. Sloan. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. It's good to be back. It's been a while. It has been a while. I've missed it. Um, But I don't know. My creative juices have been flowing once again, and you can't stop that. (laughs) (laughs) Let them flow. Yes, let them flow. Yeah, there's been a lot that's been going on. Oh, just so much that's happened. Um, I quickly wanted to just talk about the RNC, the Republican National uh, Convention. And I, I will be honest, I haven't paid attention to it where I've watched every single second of it. I've watched highlights and I've listened to other people uh, analyze it. And my overall take is they're doing really well. And um, they are sharing stories of people's lives. And it's not it's not just about celebrity and power. It's about we can make a change in your life, you, the common person. Mm. You know, one thought that I had was that it's always an advantage to be second or last. <laughs> True that. <laughs> I, you know, seeing that in sports, you know, where different ones have to compete and impress the judges. And it always seems like you get a little benefit when you come last. I don't know if they forget how good the earlier ones were. But as to the stories, it kind of brings back memories. I, I can't remember exactly who was the first president or first, you know, person running for president who did that. But I definitely remember, you know, way back the Bushes, I believe, did that kind of thing and might have been Reagan, um, you know, where they would, it's almost like at the convention, of course, packed with people that shine the spotlight and, and then they just tell a story and they had somebody, you know, stand up and maybe they're crying and. You know, it's a very touching story. Yeah. So it seems like maybe the Republicans are a little better at that. Which is amazing, is it not? I I really do find it to be fascinating because, uh, on the other hand, with the DNC, a lot of it was, oh, you have these famous movie stars. You have Michelle Obama. You have, uh, they did have a few common people, but the few common people they had, there's one that comes to mind, and she was mostly... um, blaming trump for the death of her father because of the way that um he has handled covid and basically she was saying my father believed in trump and that's what called that's what caused his death so that was the inspiring story of a common person of course they're not going to speak positively of how things are going in this country because that is the whole point they're saying joe biden is a healthier alternative Mm -hmm. um but still it was such a low blow um Michelle Obama was saying that nobody has listened to her because uh, she's a black woman and yeah, people don't listen to black women. It just so many 
yeah, so many negative things. And, and the whole thing for the DNC was um, why they shouldn't vote for Trump and why Trump is evil and Trump is just a, a scary man. But I, you definitely need to attack your opponent, but you also do need to say why you are the better alternative. Mm-hmm. And you need to have some serious action uh, plans of action. And surprisingly, they didn't seem to have a lot of that. You know, I think that that is the case. And it is kind of a difficult challenge to, you know, basically say everything's gone wrong. Everything's bad. You know, obviously the pandemic has changed things in a very unique way. It's interesting to think of where we'd be without it. Um, A lot of people, you know, have conspiracy theories, but putting that aside, it has changed the whole thing and given a lot more ammunition to the Democrats as to downplaying everything and that everything's gone wrong. But, um, you know, I just wonder how that strikes people. In a sense, nobody can blame Trump for the pandemic itself being caused. At least I haven't heard anybody try that one. Uh, So... Yeah, I guess it's just his handling of it that they criticize. Um, So when you have a terrible tragedy, and I guess they're saying it wouldn't have been quite so terrible if they had been in control. (laughs) Yeah, which is so funny because if anyone remembers, uh, Trump actually began banning travel um, from China. And so many people, Pelosi is the one that really comes to mind for me, was saying how racist that was, how silly that was. And so he was pretty much ahead of the game, and they didn't think it was serious. At the time, they were focused on his impeachment. Mm. That's what was going on then. So then, of course, they were trying to downplay that because impeachment was more important. Then, whenever they realized that it was more politically expedient for them to focus on COVID, uh, just because the impeachment thing didn't go anywhere, then they were able to to fix and switch and manage everything and get it back to, wow, Trump delayed this. He took way too long. And so you see them constantly flip-flopping. I've heard some political analysts just talking about, uh, obviously they're they're more conservative, but they say that if uh, basically once the election is over and if Biden wins, all of this will disappear. All these issues will disappear. Yet, I found it to be so fascinating that Biden, when asked recently uh, what he would do if, if, you know, this was still serious and going on, he said if a, if a doctor told him that, uh, that the country needed to be shut down, he would shut down the country. So it's just, it's not, it's not lining up with that. And personally, I agree with the political analysts. I think that if Biden won the election, all of this would disappear because they have to make this seem like it's wonderful and, and everything would be good with Biden versus, wow, look what Trump caused. Trump mm-hmm. caused COVID. He caused the economy to downturn. He always is the worst. It's almost like um, Biden's presidency would automatically make COVID disappear. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something so pure and wonderful about him. Well, his nickname is uh, COVID vaccine. Did you not know that? <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're around him and you get a shoulder rub, you just have a 
immunization don't you yes that's just what i've heard but we were never able to talk about the his vp pick mm. um overall what were your impressions of his pick you know it if you had to guess even just back from the debates she probably was the most logical choice uh seems like all the others were ones well of course none of the other ones on the short list had run you know because it had to be a woman of color she was the only one of that uh, elizabeth warren uh has very little color <laughs> in her uh, first nation blood <laughs> but you know so I guess it was logical along it, it seemed in a way that he waited so long to make the announcement it was almost anticlimactic uh, you know we're waiting and waiting and waiting and uh, there was so much talk and debate and there was pressure being applied to him by different groups you know don't pick this one do pick this one and um, anyway yeah, I, it seems like maybe there wasn't a whole lot of excitement once, you know, once she was picked. And it's interesting that, you know, she kind of has this shield about her, I guess sort of like Obama, that anything you say about her is racist. If you mispronounce her name, it's racist. <laughs> if you, you know, say anyth anything, any attack, any criticism, it's, it's automatically racist because of her you know, or sexist because of her race and her gender. It's true. It's true. Um, I would like to remind the listeners that we had kind of theorized about who would be the pick of the VP pick. And I'm pretty sure you had said that it was going to be Kamala Harris mm -hmm. or Kamala Harris. Oops. Um, <laughs> and I, even though he had said a colored woman, I kept on just in my mind hoping that it was, um, Stacey? No, no, uh, not, no. Stacey Abrams could have been one of them. Susan Rice. Uh, uh, Klobuchar. Oh, Amy yeah. Klobuchar, who ran, but obviously she's white. Yep. I just felt that she was a better pick, and she would have really, I think... Um, Energized. Yes. I. You know, it. she's more of a moderate pick, but mm -hmm. it, I think it would have been a better fit for him. Versus Kamala Harris, if you draw back to what happened in the, um, in the debates, she... Kamala Harris attacked Joe Biden and she was just saying, you are so racist. Um, mm. I wouldn't, uh, you caused, or you were trying something about busing and I was a little mm. girl and you were trying to stop me and you caused segregation. You worked with segregationists. You're a dangerous man. And then whenever they asked her about like what she said in the debate, she said that it's a debate, it's a debate. And mm. for sure in a debate, you have to, say why you're better but there's a level that mm. you just shouldn't stoop down to and mm. she stooped and mm. then yet she's a vp pick and so you can feel between them both they don't like each other you know they don't they don't believe in each other mm. uh and also it just seems like it the news faded away so quickly there was so much excitement but now it's like no one's even talking about it it doesn't even matter uh, but yes, I, I really do think he should have picked Susan Rice just because he had already worked with her before. And there's a bit more mystique with her. She's not as well known mm. versus people got a taste of Kamala and they didn't want her for president. Yeah, I think she was fifth in California. 
So even in her own state, she wasn't very popular. She hired many of the uh, staff for Hillary Clinton's campaign. A terrible idea. Mm, mm. <laughs> uh, why would you do that? <laughs> pick some losers. Yeah, why would you pick the losers? Uh, pick someone new, at least. Um, I was Tim- thinking that there oh, was, yeah. you know, almost because of the happening of the George Floyd uh, killing, it's almost and all the racial justice uh, protest it's almost like it forced biden to pick a woman of color although i guess was that his words that he would do you remember it was basically the mm-hmm. final democratic debate between him and uh bernie sanders mm-hmm. and they asked them both that and they said they would pick a woman of color mm-hmm. yeah so you know there weren't too many choices and um obviously she was one in the forefront but anyway i it kind of you know highlights even some of the differences on the handling of the um protests and law and order and some of those issues as well and uh you know the continuing riots much of which is not you know under control um not peaceful that um i think that's a a negative for the democrats definitely so and i it is so inexcusable yet somehow they're finding excuses and they just don't mention it in the news and it doesn't make sense and i think that that is really what's going to expose the Democratic Party for who they are. Although, you know, we've probably said that 10 times for 10 mm-hmm. different situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it keeps on happening. It keeps on getting worse. And uh, there's just no common sense right mm-hmm. now. And uh, the media should be honest and they're not. And uh, yeah, you almost just want to lose hope just for how crazy the world is right now. But but I, I do firmly believe that Trump is going to win. Mm-hmm. I, I, I almost don't have a single doubt in my mind. And just because they're doing the same thing over again, where they pull these people and they keep on saying that Joe Biden is winning. And we were told that whenever it was Hillary and Trump and we saw what happened. It, I just feel it's going to be a repeat. And mm-hmm. I, I will ask you this. Do you think that there's going to be any debates between Biden and Trump? You know, I, I know there's three scheduled, formally scheduled, and I just, and I, I think I heard something about Pelosi saying that it, they shouldn't happen, but I can't see how he can gracefully back out of them. You know, the most obvious argument is something about safety, but there really is no you know, all the other debates in the primaries occurred um, in the middle of COVID, and I I just don't see how that's plausible. So I I guess I can't see, I think he would, he would, it would look really bad. But, you know, I guess if they feel like it's better to look bad in that way than to look bad during the debates, you know, so they're gonna have to weigh that out. Definitely. I. I I think it would be a grave injustice if they refused to have debates. I know that the excuse they would use is, 
oh, that's so beneath us to even talk to him. It, uh, it would legitimize him too much, Trump, uh, if we even spoke to him and debated him. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's going to be what they're going to say. And I think they're already saying that now. Hmm. But, uh, you know, Joe Biden was essentially hiding himself away and not speaking just because the image of Joe Biden is a friendly old man, in my opinion, a little too friendly. And hmm. <laughs> but right now he's been gaffing and he he can't stop himself just because I don't think he can mentally take it right now. So um, but they're seeing now negative effects in the polling and now they're worried, have we been going too far mm, with hiding him away? Hiding him. And if they refuse to do the debates, that's just one step further. It highlights, in effect, their fear uh, that, you know, he can't handle this. It mm-hmm. would, would not go well. So, you know, I remember that last debate with Bernie. You know, he came out and was sharp for... For Biden, he was sharp. Definitely. And whether he can take whatever he was on <laughs> for those for these three and make it work, you know, um, see if he has enough lucidity left in him for these three <laughs> debates. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. He. You're so right. I forgot about that. He really did. He did well, mm-hmm. and he had mm-hmm. this this vigor and strength that. I, it reminded me of 2012 when he was uh, debating Rand Paul. Mm. No, I, wrong person. Paul Ryan. Oh. Gosh, their names are too similar. It's very confusing. The For VP. Oh, yeah. Yes, there yeah. was that. He did so well for that debate. Mm. And I remember just watching that and just being so frustrated that uh, Paul Ryan couldn't do any better. And just how much Joe Biden was throwing him around. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was just embarrassing for the Republicans, in my opinion. But uh, that was a long time ago, and uh, that is over, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They used to have something they advertised way back in the day, uh, Geritol. It was something to help old people. So anyway, I don't know if that could help Joe. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't hear this. Sleepy Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Sleepy Joe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it it'll be very interesting, and um, I I look forward to it. Of course, you know a lot of the fun has been sucked out of this, just mm-hmm. just in the way it's been done. Um, I did think that I I was suspecting that Trump was going to change to Nikki Haley as his VP pick for this term, but that hasn't seemed to happen. So um, yeah, that's interesting to me. But I firmly believe she's probably going to run. Mm. Uh, next time, I don't know if next time, maybe, but um, if not next and the next after that, hmm. I think yeah. she really has what it takes, and and she's excellent. Um, I was also, I I just had some thoughts about his kids, Trump's kids, because that's one of the things people say that are in support of the president. Well, you say he's so bad, but look at his kids; they turned out pretty well. Hmm. And like seriously, think about that, because okay maybe you know from a christian perspective divorce is not a good thing you know um donald trump jr has gotten a divorce from his wife and he's with kimberly guilfoyle right now um as his partner but for the most part it's true they have turned out really well and they're all in support of their father um 
you know, you could even look at Obama's daughters, and I know that they've dabbled into a lot of partying and rebellion and, uh, yeah, not being exactly ex exemplary. And uh, so there really is a lot to be said about his kids. Mm. I think it's a fair statement. Isn't there some uh, niece floating out there who <laughs> had written a book, I believe? Uh, so I think she even had comments about his speech last night at oh. the convention. Um, anyway, very negative comments. Yeah. She, she's completely negative. So you do get some of that, obviously. Oh, for sure. You know, Kellyanne Conway has her troubles as she's stepping down um, with her daughter and her husband. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, it, it's interesting with Obama. They, of course, his daughters were pretty young during his presidential years. Yes. And I think they were able to keep them pretty well in check and appear to be the model family. But um, it'll be interesting to see as the years go by. And uh, Joe Biden, let's see, I guess there's the two sons. One, of course, very unfortunate. Yes. Uh, passing. Oh, um, I'm pretty sure. Right. Was that 2017, I think, might have happened. Is that right? No. Well, no, I, I remember it was before he, the election because they were wanting him to run in 2016 and he was saying because of the death of his son, he didn't want to. Might have been 2015. I think so. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, and of course, Hunter has been in the news so much with the Ukraine and his place on the board. You know, I guess there's a lot of material out there because that gal, what's her name? Bondi? who spoke at the convention, pretty much dedicated her speech to the nepotism and corruption of Biden, you know, just trying to, basically her point was, he hasn't done anything for the American people. All he's done is enrich his own family. Wow. And she went in great detail as to that. So, I, I missed that one. I'm going to definitely yeah, tune in to that. Bondi. Mm -hmm. Wow, my goodness. Yeah, for sure. It th There's a lot of corruption, and and it's overlooked because mm. the media does not want to touch it, mm -hmm. especially with so much at stake. Mm -hmm. They put all their eggs in one basket, and that basket was Joe Biden, right. and he is ruining those eggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they just, you know, it's amazing how much control they have. If they don't say it, they don't mention it they don't report it it's as though it didn't happen and much of the country doesn't know what you're talking about because they just don't, haven't heard about it definitely and yet there's i think been books written about it there's so much yeah for sure mm -hmm. so yeah just as a as a listener pay attention to the debate um yeah keep an open mind but for christians specifically um especially christians that are against trump I would say write a list of biblical values and, and what God cares about and just see who falls more in line. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm sure there's even opinion in that. I, I've heard arguments, mm -hmm. well, Trump is pro-life, but um, Biden cares about the refugee. Mm -hmm. And people mm -hmm. will make that contrast mm -hmm. and say, well, we really don't know because it's a tough choice, the refugee or um, the unborn child. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, obviously, I have my opinions. <laughs> right. 
you know, on the whole issue of refugee, you know, I think what Trump emphasizes is the American people. What is good for the American people? And if you continue to allow open or porous borders, is that really benefiting our people? These are the people that elect the president. These are our citizens. And he has a strong loyalty to them and their welfare. And that doesn't seem to compute for the Democrats. They don't see open borders as bad for our nation, bad for economy, bad for employment. And yet Trump sees that very, very clearly. And I guess those are two different perspectives. You know, there's some people that they don't see it either. They don't see that that's hurting us. And, but I think there's a lot of others that can see it does. That, that was one of his original issues that resonated in 2016. Definitely. He doesn't mention it as much as he used to. Mm-hmm. And I wish he would return back to it mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. it, it is such a profound thing. Um, I, I saw a Facebook post. Someone said, I love legal immigration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much we hear only about illegal immigration that we forget the legal immigrants mm-hmm. that are trying to go through the process the right way. Um, if you're in line at the DMV or a CC's mm-hmm. <laughs> pizza buffet, if someone cuts that line, people scream. Mm. They'll say, hey, get back in line. Get get at the back. And yet, it's totally okay when it comes to immigration. And I know there's a lot more complexities to it. There's uh, asylum and, and, and all of that. Uh, but at the end of the day, mm. there's people that are trying to do it the right way. And you completely de- delegitimize them whenever you are doing it the wrong way. I agree. And... You know, I think one of the big arguments I heard Bill de Blasio say, we already have all these millions of um, illegal immigrants in our country. So it's almost like that justifies keeping the system wide open or perhaps amnesty. You know, it, it, it means, you know, we've already lost on that, so why try? Why uh, close the borders? Why have any requirements which you know is really kind of crazy (laughs) and it's thinking okay so yeah we just give up now because we've let too many cross through (laughs) anyway i don't know where that gets you it just it's a recipe for disaster yet we have such a reverence and respect for every other country we would know mm -hmm. if if we were going to france we would know not to try to uh, be illegal immigrants there we would mm. know not to do that we would have a respect for their borders and for their country and their people and their culture right. yet the second it becomes about the united states it all of that is thrown out the window it is right. so strange to me <laughs> yeah you know you think even mexico sometimes they get on a soapbox about how evil it is for us to have close the borders and i think well what about your southern border with Guatemala and Belize, you know, you know, every, every country has secure borders, including you. So how can you justify that? Yes. And for, you know, if you're not a Christian, you're not going to care about this. Just simply read Numbers uh, chapter 34, and you'll see what God thinks about borders. Mm. Borders are biblical. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. (laughs) 
yeah it it um it's just ridiculous you know and then just the 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 hype that comes with the concept of the wall you know that just the thought of the wall somehow you know to me is there something special as a wall versus a fence versus a barricade ver- you know what what difference does it make the whole point is that it's secure and people cannot come in freely without permission and that's not a new concept and it's not a unique concept but somehow it, it, it's evil for the u.s to have that so many people uh, just to bring it down to basics so many people um, wish they had their own office why do you wish you had your own office because there's things called walls that give you privacy. Uh, can you imagine a house? Someone shows you a house and there's absolutely no walls. Mm. You'd have to put up curtains. And what are those doing? Taking the place of walls. Walls, boundaries are beautiful things. Even as a person, if your friend walks all over you and you always um, have to do whatever they say, that's called you have no boundaries and you're a doormat. And it's good to have boundaries and to say, mm. nope, you, uh, for example, don't call me every day. You can call me twice a week. That's a boundary. And in boundaries, there's freedom. Mm. So mm. It, all of this ties together and it's all so wonderful and so beautiful. Yet it's amazing how it could be twisted to be seen as evil. Um, it's not. It, a country without borders mm-hmm. is missing so much. And, yeah, they always say, well, there should be borders on the northern border. Well, there's less people trying to be uh, trying to uh, illegally immigrate. But also, if we could do that, cool. I, yeah. I wouldn't mind it. I, yeah. I don't like government spending, but I am totally for it if it's for something like this. Mm-hmm. 100%. You know, we should know who's here and we should they should be here with permission to be here. It's just so obvious. Definitely. With any club, uh, you know, if you're a part right. of a club or your church, who's a member, mm-hmm. you need to know who's a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, of course, all the examples of hypocrisy of uh, gated communities and security guards and, you know, everything that we all live by and yeah. we all seek after just to have a sense of security. <laughs> and yet... For this particular example, we we see it differently. It's strange. It's strange. And it's taught over time. And it's taught in the universities. And I I think we can shake those methodologies um, just with some basic common sense and just opening your mind to different perspectives. I'm always for that. Um, Yeah, I feel like you and I always have to listen to to things we disagree with. but I don't think the other side just takes a second to listen to us. Mm-hmm. So um, I think a lot of good would come with just truly listening and weighing out thoughts and, and considering why you believe what you believe. Um, it's just such a, a valuable thing in this life. And um, see, so yeah, I, I will always preach on the importance of that. You know, there's, I think, a lot of the cancel culture works against that, against that. Mm. and even you know you've heard of speakers, conservative speakers going to universities, and they basically are pressured that no, they're not going to be heard. Yep, they're not going to be allowed to speak. And 
you know, there's no debate on should we take down this statue or no, that person actually did a lot of good things or at least there's history lessons in their life. There is no debate. It's all decided by a mob and dissenting opinions are not allowed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think that's kind of what we've come to. You know, which then makes you wonder, you know, I think what we've done is we've pressured a lot of conservative voices into silence. And they, you know, once again, it looks like the polls are somewhat skewed. I think they talk about shy conservatives. You know, the concept is they won't speak out. They won't admit that they are. But when it comes time to vote, they do. Definitely. Yeah, I I don't know if I would put on a poll who I'm voting for. Just because the second you say the answer someone doesn't like, they cut you off. And that's what cancel culture is. And we've seen it just for powerful people mostly. But it's basically you do something we don't like, we are going to basically write you off as if you never existed. It's such an ugly thing. And there's no second chances. There's nope. no redemption. Nope. Although, you know, you see sometimes people grovel and they go into their rehab. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they're relearning. <laughs> you know, they, they it's amazing the hoops that they claim to go through. You know, they're going to go study and this is not who I am. You know, you see these same <laughs> phrases again and again. As, as they apologize for different things. And many times there's just simply no mercy. Mm-mm. You know, there's no second chances that once you've been canceled, you simply don't exist. And that reputation many times will follow you for the rest of your life. It's crazy. Yeah, we're Christians are so often accused of doing that to people. Mm. No, it's you guys. Mm. <laughs> We, we we don't act like someone doesn't exist. We don't do a whole shunning thing. Mm. That's just not in our nature. So <laughs> it's so funny. I, I guess you think of one example of shunning um, the Amish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when well, you've seen it in movies where uh, one of them has done something and then they all shun them and won't speak to them. You know, I guess that's, you know, to be honest, the way it's done in the world today by liberals, it's a lot more nasty than that. It's true. It's true. It, they, they have something to say. Yeah. It's probably shout them down. Yes. Kick them. And then, yeah. You know, it's interesting. It, it, what was it in Washington, D.C.? There was diners, I guess, outside, and the uh, protesters were approaching them and basically pressuring them to put up a fist or I'm not sure what that black power or whatever that represents. And they were just badgering them and shouting at them until they would do it in a very threatening way. So, you know, it makes you think almost of the Nazis and, you know, that the intimidation and the pressure, um, you know, all that's happening now with the, in the world of sports 
as to the Jacob Blake case, there's really not an opportunity to have another opinion. There's huge pressure just to go along with it, to take the knee. And uh, it's very rare that anybody stands up to that pressure. Definitely so. I was listening to the five podcast and they were talking about that incident where, uh, yeah, this whole crowd was just standing around this woman yelling in her face, inches from her face. They were very intimidating, telling her to raise her fist, raise her fist. And she was just in a corner. And um, uh, it was Greg Gutfeld, and he asked each member of the show, what would you have done in that situation? And um, and Dana Perino, she said she would have stood up on the table and yelled and said, get away from me and you will not pressure me into doing this. And, you know, I think that's what we have to do at this time. We have to actually not just say no, no, but we have to actually exert as much force without touching, obviously. Mm -hmm. But we, we cannot back down because the second we do, uh, you know, we might appease them and make them happy but they'll find another thing to hate us for. Mm, mm. So it, it is such an ugly thing, um, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't really care what cause you're for. To try to pressure somebody into joining you mm. like that mm. is such a disgusting thing to do. Mm. Yeah, just a lot of uh, intimidation. Uh, yeah, it's always a mob against one person. You know, so that and there's very, very real threats of physical violence. Um, violence is a big part of the protests, even though the media tries to hide that. But burning and looting and destroying is just part and parcel with it. Definitely so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it's becoming pretty visceral, and and yeah, that's why. We have to be in prayer right now just for protection because you almost worry, will I be safe? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, there's been videos where people were driving by and yelling at other people to get on their knees, get on your knees mm-hmm. um, because of your whiteness to say sorry for, who, you know, what color you are. And I don't think anybody needs to apologize for what color they are ever. Mm-hmm. No one should ever have to apologize for what color you are. So it's just a lot of ugliness out there, but... Um, yeah, the reality is the only thing that can give me hope is that God has already won the battle. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that can give me hope right now mm-hmm. just because it looks so ugly here, but I know it's beautiful in heaven. And, um, if I didn't have that, I would not know what to do. You know, it's kind of funny the way some of these things work themselves out. And sometimes it has to go through a very ugly and destructive thing. I heard of an incident this past week in the protests where, you know, they were surrounding a police station and threatening, and what they were doing was trying to use a quick sealing concrete to seal the entries and exits and then to burn them alive. Are you serious? So... They were unsuccessful, but that was their intent, and that's what they were trying to do. And, you know, it made me think, well, that, you know, sometimes you have to get to the very worst before people will 
respond and realize we can't allow this to go on. You're so right. And and that's what I've heard in so I, I've heard in interviews that I've just been listening to, um, you know, people in the um African American community just explaining, well, listen, you weren't no one was listening to us whenever we tried to pre- peacefully protest. So what else were we supposed to do? I I understand the frustration. Um, but seriously, what does it have to like what does it have to get to? How ugly does it have to get? Um, I don't, it, it's just, it's gotten so great. Murder, murder is where we're at, you know, and the only way that you can feel to protest is murder. And then you feel justified in that. Mm-hmm. It, it's just so crazy to me that there's just no line that can be drawn at this point um, for a cause. Um, so I think, I think a lot of these incidents are actually between um, the officer and the the family involved or the person affected, and yet it's being put on all of us. Mm. A lot of this is judging and stereotyping. Um, if you're a, a black person um, that committed a crime, that means all black people commit crime. Well, we all know that's not true. Mm. That's a very stupid and ignorant thing to say. Well, if you're a white person, you're racist. All white people are racist. Mm. Well, that's not true. That's a very ignorant and stupid thing to say. Well, if you're a cop, that means you hate black people and you want them all dead. Well, that's not true. That's a very stupid thing to say. Mm-hmm. Now, each of those things have an element of truth. There's some people that do those things that I've said, but that doesn't mean it's all true. And each side is stereotyping the other mm-hmm. and is angry about the stereotyping of themselves. It's just so mm-hmm. out of control. That's interesting. We People respond to a stereotype with another one yeah you know it, it, that, i catch myself doing it mm-hmm. yeah you know rather than just looking at individuals as individuals definitely yeah. so yeah and certainly yeah stereotypes based on race uh, that's so easy to fall into but yeah there, there's a whole lot of variety in god's creation oh for sure for sure. So uh, I think it'd be better of us to not assume things. Mm. Some stereotyping is actually a good thing. You know, if you see three guys walking with a knife down mm. one side of the street and then three women with Bibles in their hands on the other side of the street, mm. which side of the street are you going to walk on? Mm-hmm. And is that you being sexist? I don't think so. Mm. Now, if you end up realizing that the people with the knives were actually selling the knives and then the women were actually bashing people in the heads with the Bibles, uh, (laughs) then your stereotype totally landed flat on its face and you need to change your your actions and you need to go and do the opposite of what you assumed at first. But stereotyping Mm -hmm. in in and of itself is a good thing to do for the most part. Um, But you have to always be open to the possibility that you could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess there's different types of stereotyping. You know, you in taking precautions and avoiding risk, you know, you use your life experiences and, you know, just common sense. But, um, yeah, you know, in your interactions with people, your friendships, your relationships, the way you um, see people, uh, you know, I know that, 
people that are victims of that stereotyping, it can it can be very hurtful. You know, it's hard. To me, the the frustrating thing of this is most of these incidents occur with in the context of law enforcement. And I think there's a lot of um, misunderstanding, you know, what is it like to do law enforcement? It's a very difficult type of work, and they're forced to make judgment calls, which are life and death. And, you know, it seems like we've gotten into a situation now that uh, open defiance is the norm. And that just makes it very difficult for them to do their jobs. You know, so then in each of these cases, there's controversy, there's many, many uh, facts which often don't come to light until far later. And by that point, it's almost like the media has run with it. And, you know, gotten folks all stirred up to riot without the facts. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of concern about that. You know, half the story seems to be quite acceptable. You know, just look at the video, what you see, what it looks like, go with that. Don't ask any more questions. And almost when the facts come to light, it's almost like the media doesn't even want to share them. So it almost looks like they're complicit in this Definitely so. Of course, that makes me think of Nick Sandman, mm. who uh, was a boy that was with his other classmates. They were from Covington uh, High School. Christian. Christian. Yeah, or, or was it Catholic? It was a Catholic private yes. school, mm. and they were at a March for Life in Washington, D.C., and mm. they were just um, there participating. They had all bought MAGA hats and were wearing their MAGA hats, and then... Um, a Native American man came and approached them and was drumming and standing inches away from this one boy's face. And there was a camera and the boy was in the video. It looks like he had gone up to the Native American man and was trying to make fun of him and uh, just trying to intimidate him. But that was the only clip you got. You didn't see the the man, the Native American man approaching the boy. You only saw whenever they were basically having a standoff. Mm. And it really wasn't a standoff mm. in reality. The boy was standing there with his friends and he didn't know why this man approached him. And he was just uncomfortable. So he just was awkwardly smiling. Mm. And uh, they only showed the clip that made the boy look bad on all the media streams, just saying this boy was so racist to this Native American man. What an evil white boy with a MAGA hat. And they just continued on with it. And um, the end result was that the later the full footage was, was released. And it showed that that was totally misconstrued. And that the media essentially ruined this boy's life. That he had many death threats. And his life really was turned upside down. So he spoke for about four minutes. Uh, you can look him up, Nick Sandman, RNC, and you'll see just him explaining his story. And he, he is extremely well-spoken. And um, basically, he sued these media companies. And uh, it was a $250 million uh, suit. suit. And they settled for an undisclosed amount of money. But mm -hmm. one can imagine that he is probably very wealthy at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, they lied. 
they lied and they didn't even want to admit that they were wrong. They've been covering a lot of these RNC speeches and making everyone look bad. They don't really touch the Nick <laughs> Sandman one <laughs> yeah, yeah. anymore just because they've done enough harm and you don't really want to mess with that one. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and just that it was intentionally done. Yes, they, they so knew exactly what they were doing, and they didn't care. Nope. And there was no, no concern for the truth. Just as there was none with Judge Kavanaugh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Truth was not an issue there. It was how can we destroy this judge? So so wild how mm-hmm. this continues to happen. The the Russian hoax with Donald Trump. If you are if you are on the left, this alone should make you question why you're on the left. You really mm. should. Just take another look. Why does this keep on happening? Mm. Why do, do these stories get hidden? Um, it's because the media is not really there to share information. They're, they're there to share their narrative. And we weren't really aware of it until Donald Trump started speaking about fake news. Because we didn't have a name for all this. We just knew that news was a little opinionated and MSNBC was very much to the left and Fox News was very much to the right. And that's just all we thought about it. We didn't think that people were actually sharing uh, only their side and hiding stories from coming out that that weren't uh, according to their narrative. So, Mm -hmm. no, it's very malicious and they know what they're doing and they have a plan. And you... You, one time, if you're able to, just start noticing how all of these different news outlets, they say the same words. Mm-hmm. They use the same terminology about these issues. It is so strange because that should not be the case. Mm. I was amazed. Um, just a little clip about Don Lemon of CNN. And, you know, it's almost like they're doing planning meetings or strategy sessions for the Democratic Party. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, oh they're, they're talking about, he basically said, stop the riding. It's sticking. In other words, it's hurting <laughs> the polls. Oh, my. You know, so he, he, all he's saying it from the point of view of uh, the election. And he's seeing that... Um, you know, wherever the rioting is going on, it's hurting their chances. So, and the same thing on NPR, when I listen to them, you know, they're talking about uh, what can we do, you know, to defeat Trump. And it's like a planning meeting. And it's, they're 100% that direction. So there's no thought of something impartial or unbiased. Everything is completely that one side. And I guess you could argue on the other side that Fox tends to be the other way. So, you know, one thing that's kind of amazing is, you know, you hear so much more about the television media, but radio is sort of the underground media. And there's all these, well, obviously a Rush Limbaugh is far from underground, but oh, yeah. uh, Hannity and all that. Uh, there's, you know, a large number of them and. Uh, most of them are conservative and they have very large followings. Oh yeah. These people, Mm. they have to have money to continue producing. Mm. You can't just produce without money. (laughs) So there's a business there and there's an audience there. Right. (laughs) 
And so I think the, you know, the talk radio, uh, the conservatives are very, very strong. And so that kind of helps balance out a lot of the strength of the uh, liberal media on TV. It does. It certainly helps. Um, and, and there is, you know, I think there is some strength. For example, New York Times, The Daily is one of the podcasts. Um, extremely liberal, of course, and they just kind of do one news story and they do this full explanation of it. I used to listen to it. It's obviously a very interesting and well-done podcast, but it is so biased. Um, so I, I kind of stopped listening to it. But there's, you know, it, it there is an audience there for the left-leaning, but it is so much more for the right. Uh, mm. One of the most popular podcasts is the Ben Shapiro show. Mm. And he, the daily wire is the company that he owns and they do so well. They are extremely profitable. Mm. So there's an audience and yeah, they're not going to say they're not going to always wear their MAGA hats and do all that just because they don't want to be punched in the face while walking down the street. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but but it's there. And so you're so right about that. Mm -hmm. uh, th yeah, just so many interesting and different people and different networks. And even the ones that aren't doing that well still do pretty well. Mm -hmm. no, it's amazing. You know, Dennis Prager and oh, Larry yeah. Elder and all these different ones that just uh, very articulate. And yeah, they, they've all gained a following. They do very well. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and I think... If I had to guess a reason for it, if you give a conservative an hour, I think they could convince you quite a bit. Mm. Versus a liberal, they say things just very quickly, quick emotional hits. And I would say both are very effective. Most of the time, people don't want to listen to someone for an hour. Mm. But they don't mind listening to someone for a quick 10 minutes, just hitting them with emotional hits. Mm. So... Uh, that is a huge difference there, but yeah, you you listen to Ben Shapiro and just that there's lots of videos out there. Ben Shapiro owns liberals on this campus. He debates these liberals, and you know he usually they come up there and they're just they have their leftist arguments, and he usually just completely refutes them. And yeah, he dominates for sure. But then you have. It's so interesting because then you have these uh, comedians doing Trevor Noah, all these night shows, and you see those people dominate conservatives. So you see it both ways. It, it really is fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, Bill Mayer, he's extremely articulate and so smart. He's very much to the left. I, there was a video of him and Ben Shapiro going at it. And even though Ben Shapiro is so smart, Bill knew what he was doing that he Ben didn't look like he really won that much. Mm. Mm -hmm. So there's intelligence on both mm. sides for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like late night TV is definitely owned by the liberals. For sure. Without a shadow of a doubt. Right. They, you know, Jimmy Fallon is so left it hurts and he was just, you know, making Trump look a little bit funny mm. a few years back and they made they made him suffer for that. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, there's no one to the right mm. at all. Mm -hmm. 
I wish there was. I really wish there was, but it doesn't seem like conservatives know how to be very funny. Mm. And that is a thing that hurts us. Well, that's a good time of the night to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> We're sleeping so we can work the next day. That's right. <laughs> that's our problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully God will raise someone up to do that. That'd be nice. That's right. <sighs> Maybe windbreaker. Yes. Maybe us. Although we don't laugh a lot on this. <laughs> Unless it's like sorrowful, sorrowful laughing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And do monologue. Yes, I should try. Mm-hmm. Those take a lot of thought. But yeah, this is a good note to end on. Um, I really do hope that you enjoyed the show. And if you like this, please do subscribe and give this podcast five stars. Uh, like I said before, my creative juices have been flowing. So get your cup and get ready for an overflow, baby, because I'm back. So let's end on a quick... Um, Passing of the gas. Okay, that wasn't quick at all. I'm sorry about that. You have a wonderful day.